0: This last week, on, uh, on Tuesday, it was Valentine's Day, and did everyone have a good Valentine's Day, for those of you, like, who are, you know, coupled together and stuff, and, yeah, yeah whatever. And so, I, like, I, I uh, we, we, we never go out on Valentine's night, because it's just too expensive, and uh, so we like, we do, like, the week later or something, but what I did this week, this, this year, is, uh, uh, my wife, like, loves cheese and all that sort of stuff, and, uh, you know, um, and crackers, so we like, got this big cheese spread, and then she made some fondue, some chocolate fondue, and it was amazing by the way, the fondue and there 's even like chocolate left and i 've just been eating it with a spoon, but, uh, but anyway, so she made this and we had like strawberries and, uh, and she made some like little rice crispy treats, and all that and so we sat down, and uh, this was around about seven o 'clock. We started eating, and by about nine o 'clock. I was fast asleep on the couch. I mean, talking about a romantic Valentine's. And I woke up and the look that Raquel gave me was like, I'm going to kill you, you know? Falling asleep on Valentine's and things. But it kind of got me thinking about just how couples are. And you see lots of different couples, and each couple is very unique. There's not one, where, not one couple. And if you ever had the privilege of doing marriage counseling or like, speaking to couples, uh, you realize that there is no cutty-cutter way of speaking to couples because every couple is uniquely different. But one thing I do see with a lot of couples, and it's kind of like something I've always said I never want us to be, and that's the couple that don't communicate with each other. You've seen those couples, you know, you go out to a restaurant and they're the ones, one sits at one side of the booth, one, one sits at the other, and they order and they speak, uh, And they spend more time speaking to the waiter or waitress than they do to each other. You know, I mean, they're, they're not even talking, they're just looking at their food, they're eating, and they are just not communicating. And we've all seen those people and maybe you've become one of those people, I'm not sure. But all I know is that when I see those people, I'm like, oh... I feel so sorry for them. I mean, I have a wife who gets uncomfortable with silence, so she just talks anyway, so I don't have to talk much. I just sit there and just listen, and it's great. And, uh, but some of those couples just don't talk at all and don't communicate. I've even seen some couples who just live like totally separate lives. And one does one thing and one does the other. So the guy, he still spends time with all his friends and uh, he goes out with his friends and he never does anything with his wife. And his wife is quite happy because she goes out with her friends and she never does anything uh, with him. And so together they are married or they're a couple, but they're not really married. You know, they're married by name and they live in the same house. They may have kids together, but there is something that is tearing them apart and they become distant Arm each other. We all know those couples. You know, you've all seen those type of couples. But if I was to say to you that some of you have that kind of relationship with God, then if you were really to search your hearts, you may agree that you have that kind of relationship with God as well. For some, a lack of communication with God has left us searching for more answers about God. That we just can't find. We search the Bible looking for answers. And we just can't find the answers to those questions that we have. Because we have not communicated with God. And you know if you want to find out the deepest thoughts of those closest to us. Then you have to spend time with those people. And you have to communicate with those people. You can't just watch those people. You can't just know about those people. But you have to communicate with those people. And it's exactly the same in something that we call prayer. And for many, a lack of prayer life has left their Christianity as what we call mere religion. Just mere religion. And what we find is that throughout history, mere religion has left people with just this big, deep, empty hole in their soul. And so for some, they search more and they delve more into religion and more into this and more into that. Others, they kind of go the other way and try to search in other things as well. Because they have this big, deep, empty hole. And let me tell you this morning, if you are not communicating with God regularly, then your Christianity will end up as just mere religion. You know, there was this uh, preacher in the 19th century, and he was an author, and I love to read his books. His name was E.M. Bounds, and it's one of those where you read his books, and, and you come away and you think, oh, I'm going to hell. You know, I mean, it's one of those, it's like, I'm the worst person ever. But he said this about prayer. He said, to eliminate prayer from our daily lives is to abandon communication with God." He said, it is through prayer that we have the opportunity to share our deepest sorrows, our joys and desires with the one who can truly comfort us. You notice here, he doesn't say that uh, that prayer is something that we must do, and if we we don't do it, we we feel guilty. But he says here that prayer is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you. For you. And if you are someone who doesn't pray. Or struggles in your prayer life. You are missing out on an opportunity that God has for you. And we'll discover that more throughout the weeks. But I believe a Christian that doesn't pray. pray, Is a Christian that will lose touch with God. And when you lose touch with God. You are going to fail at this thing that we call life. Let me explain. You know, God told Isaiah, He says, Isaiah, He said, I saw you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. He said, Isaiah, I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And just as God had a plan and a purpose for Isaiah's life, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for your lives as well. And this plan and purpose is is perfect and it's wonderful. And it makes your life just this incredible thing. But if we don't communicate with God, then we will never know what that plan and that purpose for our lives is. And if if we don't stay in touch with God, then that plan and that purpose will probably never be fulfilled, which means that you will fail at life. You may succeed in all different ways of life, but at the end of your life you will fail if you don't keep in communication with God. You know, when, when I use the word prayer, some of you had so many preconceived ideas of what prayer is. Some of you thought it's just something that we do at church. Or others thought it's something that you say before you have a meal. Um, others thought it's all about just closing your eyes, putting your hands together, bowing your heads Others thought maybe it's the Lord's Prayer. You know, when you were a kid and you said the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Others, you may have heard prayer and you suddenly felt, ah, I feel guilt because I know that my prayer life isn't as it should be. However, I want you to put those ideas aside. And for the next four weeks, what I want us to do, I want us to go on a journey of discovery. Discovering what prayer really is. How to pray and how to get back in touch with God, or to keep in touch with God. We've entitled this series called, Hey There, God. And basically, it's as simple as that. Some of us, we may think that we must have this reverence, prayer, this, this incredible prayer to God, but all it is, it's about just communicating with God. Hey there, God. You know, I hear so many people say, you know, Alex, I just can't pray. You know, they they say, I've tried, but I can't. Others say, I just can't concentrate. I try to pray and I just can't concentrate. Other things come in my mind. Others say, I just don't have time to pray. And others say, well, I don't even know what to say. I feel like weird talking to myself or something like that. Well, I'm going to be bold today. And I'm going to say something that you may not agree with. But I've seen in my own life, it is so true. And, I, and if you are struggling with prayer today, and this isn't just to just, uh, condemn you or anything like that. This is to help you. But if you are struggling to pray, I believe one of the major reasons why you may be struggling or having difficulty to pray is this. You don't know who you're praying to. You don't know who you're praying to. I don't know about you, but sometimes talking to strangers can be hard. You know what I mean? If you just talk to someone and you, you, after you exchange the pleasantries, some people you can have a great conversation with, others, it's just hard because you don't know enough about that person. But when you meet somebody that you know well, then it's easy to communicate with that person because you know how they communicate and how you communicate. And for some of you today, you may be struggling to pray because you just do not know who it is that you are praying to. You may say, well, it's God, isn't it? I'm praying to God. Or you may say, well, I pray to Jesus and I know that Jesus is the one who died for my sins and the Bible says He's given me eternal life. But if you look past just that, I honestly believe some of us really don't know who God really is. And if that's you today, you will always struggle to pray always struggle to pray. And if I was asked to ask you today, describe to me that the deepest thoughts of God. Describe to me just the intimacies of God. How would you be able to answer? Do you know who you're praying to? And many struggle with prayer because they just don't know the deepest thoughts of God. They don't know the intimacies of God. And I want to give you an example this morning of someone who discovered who God was. You know, there's a story that's set back in Exodus chapter 3. And we'll be turning there in a moment. See if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 3. And there's a story there, and it's about a man called Moses. And unless, you know, you've you've been under a rock for the last, I don't know, 50 years, you, you probably all know who Moses is. For some reason, they play like the Ten Commandments every Easter. I don't know why they do it at Easter, but they do. But he's the guy who split the Red Sea in half, you know, and walked through. He's the guy who went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And uh, he's the one who got the Ten Commandments from God. And what we see about Moses, Moses, there's just some facts that we need to know about Moses. Firstly, Moses was an Israelite. He was a Jew. He lived in Egypt. And... In the place that he lived in Egypt, he actually lived in the, in the actual palace of the Egyptian king called the Pharaoh. And he grew up in this extravagant place. But Moses always knew where his roots were from. He always knew that he was an Israelite. In fact, we know that Moses actually even believed in the God of the Israelites. We know that he'd learnt about God. He had heard about God. He had heard the stories about how his ancestors had been touched by God. But yet, this man Moses, he's got to a place in his life where he's got to almost 80 years old. And even though he knows about God, he doesn't know God. And then one day he comes face to face with God. And as he comes face to face with God, he starts to discover who God really is. And it was at this point in Moses' life that he started to communicate with God. And from the moment he started to communicate with God, Moses never stopped communicating with God. Moses could have never been the man that he went down in history as being without this encounter with God. Moses would have never been able to lead the people out of Egypt if he hadn't discovered who God was. So let's take a look at this encounter. So in Exodus chapter 3, it says this. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. Moses is here, he's like tending sheep, he's like a shepherd, and he's in the wilderness, he's in the desert, and he sees at a distance that there's this fire, this bush is on fire, but yet the bush is not being consumed by the fire. Now, I think all of us would have been a little intrigued, why is not the bush being consumed by fire? And then Moses says, this is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. Then it says this, it says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off the sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pesuzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, where they now live. I don't know why everything was like it at the end, but it was. It says there, it says, Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, says God, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you, Moses, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Then the conversation changes a little. It says, but Moses protested to God, Who am I that I should appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign, that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go the people of Israel, uh, uh, what do I tell the people of Israel? Then he says this, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God replied to Moses, say this, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. We see here, in just this short encounter with God, Moses met God for the very first time. He has encountered God for the very first time. And we see that God is asking Moses to do something that is way beyond Moses' control. But Moses asks God one question. One question. And he says this. He says, God, basically paraphrased, who are you? Who are you? He says, who should I tell who has sent me? He's asking Who are you? And I ask you today, when was the last time that you prayed to God and said, God, who are you? Who are you? The reply of God to Moses is amazing. Basically, God turns around and He says to Moses, He says, Moses, this is who I am. He says, I am. I am. You know, for years I just couldn't get my, my mind around this. I thought, what a weird, strange reply to a question. Who are you? I am. I'm like, I know you are, but who are you? But God says, I am. And you know, it was at this very moment and this conversation that Moses had with God that every prayer after this that Moses ever prayed to God had meaning. And let me explain to you. Because for some of us, we read this and we think, what does that mean? Well, for Moses, it was so significant. And the first thing that we see is here, just before, even before God says, I am, we see what God is telling Moses. He's instructing him who he actually is. And in Exodus chapter 3 and uh, verse 6, it says this. It says, God said to Moses, I am, so he's saying again, I am But now he follows it with a statement. And he says, I am the God of your father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So here this statement that God is saying, he's not just saying I am, but now he's saying I am the God of your father. I am the God of your father. This was so significant for Moses. Like I said before, he had heard the stories how God was with his ancestors, with his fathers. He had heard the stories how God was with Abraham, God was with Isaac, and God was in Je- with Jacob. He had heard the stories how God had been with the generations before. And he had heard the stories how God had provided, how God had protected, and God had fulfilled His promises to His people before. And when Moses heard this, It was significant. I can imagine that Moses kind of heard some of the stories in his mind. And this was probably one of the stories that he heard. We find in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says this. It says that the Lord said to Abraham, so the same God who's speaking to Moses years, centuries before, spoke to a man called Abraham. And he said this, the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Moses knew this. He knew this promise that God had given Abraham. And now God is saying exactly the same things now to Moses. He's saying to Moses, I want you to lead my people into a land that I have promised them. The same promise that He gave Abraham. And we see here, as soon as Moses heard this, the Bible says that Moses hid his face from God. I think it was at this moment, you know. I mean, you can see somebody. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's somebody in this world who can make a bush burn without the actual bush burning up. I'm sure there is. I mean, we got magic man robbing us in our church. I mean, I'm sure he could do that. But it's even tougher for someone then to start to talk out of a bush. But, you know, if we saw this in this day and age, we think, well, this may be some special, you know, magic trick. Or this may be some kind of Hollywood stunt or something like that. But for Moses, as soon as he heard the words, I am the God of your father, reality hit for Moses. Moses realized this wasn't some casual encounter with some strange being. Moses realized at that very moment that this was the almighty God, the God of heaven, the God of earth, the one who created the stars and the sun and the moon. This was the almighty God connecting himself with a man, speaking to a man who honestly believed his best days were behind him. This guy was like 80 years old when this happened. Because he realized that day that he was the God of his father. But not only that, we also see in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, it goes on, it says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in uh, in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Then he says this, yes, I am aware of their suffering. Here are the words again, I am. But this time he's saying, now I am aware of the people's suffering. He tells Moses in this statement, Moses, I am the God who sees the pain of my people and I am compassionate towards them. You know, in this encounter, nowhere does it say that God heard the prayer of the people. We don't hear about the people praying to God, asking God to deliver them. All we see is that God's saying, I have heard their distress. I have heard their cries. And I have seen their suffering. God was already aware of their suffering. And today I want to tell you that God is the God who is aware of your situation. No matter what situation you may be going through. No matter what event in your life is happening. No matter what season of your life you are in. Whether it's a good season, whether it's a bad season. Whether you're like at the top of a mountain or you're at the depths of a valley in your life. God sees, God is aware, God hears because He is the God who sees right where you're at. And this was what God said to Moses. For Moses, this was huge, because Moses had seen the suffering himself. And right at this moment, God, uh, Moses realized that God was not a distant God. He wasn't a God that, you know, just is out there somewhere. But he was a God who was very near and was very relevant to their circumstances, what they were going through at that time. And from that moment on, Moses knew when he communicated with God that God understood and God saw exactly what Moses was going through. And let me tell you today, when you pray to God, God already knows right where you're at. You know, for Moses, he probably, when he heard this, he, he, he was probably going back to his mind with some of the, some of the stories that he had heard as a child. And then that there was a, another encounter that someone else had with God. It was a woman called Hagar. Hagar had basically uh, become pregnant by Abraham. Abraham was a great man of God, but he had some things in his life that he needed to deal with, and this was one of the things. And basically this woman, she, she, uh, she, she, she had basically been tossed out of this family and left on her own. And this is what God said to her in Genesis chapter 16. And verse 11, it says, The angel of God also said to Hagar, You are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For God has heard your cry of distress. Just as God said He saw the suffering of the people in Israel. He heard the cry of distress. Of Hagar. And when you pray to God. God hears your prayers. He hears your cries. He sees where you're at. He knows exactly where you are in your life. Right at that moment. Because he says. I am the God that sees. The final I am that God gave to Moses. is found in Exodus 3 verse 12. It says there. It says. God answered Moses. After Moses says, who am I to lead these people? Who am I to do what you've asked me to do? And it says there, it says, God answered. He says, I will be with you, and this is your sign. That I am the one who has sent you. I am the one who has sent you. Moses knew at that point. That God was the one who was sending him. He didn't say, God just didn't say to Moses, he says, I've heard their cry. Hey, do you think you could do something about it? You know, go and speak to Pharaoh, see if he'll like not harm the people anymore. No, God said to Moses, I am the God that is sending you. I am the God that is sending you. And Moses realized at that point that God had a plan and a purpose for his life. And he knew that he was the God of that plan and that purpose. And the purpose of Moses' life was this. To take the people of God out of slavery into a free land. That was Moses' purpose. And he realized at that moment that God had a plan, and a purpose for him. And when you pray to God, when you speak to God and ask God for anything, know this one thing, that He is the God who is sending you into those plans and those purposes that God has for your life. It was at this moment that Moses realized he wasn't going on his own mission, but he was going on God's mission. And we see in the very near future, you can just go over a few chapters in the book of Exodus, and you see that Moses is ready to quit. Moses is ready just to to lay down and just forget it all. And I'm sure if Moses had gone on his own accord, he would have quit. But because he knew that God had sent him, he was on God's mission which means that God was going to take care of Moses. You know, Moses has gone down in history as a man who heard God, who communicated with God, and a man who spoke regularly with God. We see that history shows that Moses was a man who saw incredible miracles. He saw the awesome power of God. And in fact, he was the only man in the Bible who ever saw the glory of Of God. At one point Moses hid his face from God. Because he really didn't know God. And we see at the end of Moses' life. Moses says God show me your face. Because he knew exactly who God was. Why? Why did Moses see all these incredible things of God? Well I honestly believe because from the beginning of his relationship with God. His relationship with God was formed on knowing who God was and understanding exactly how God works. You know, we never hear in the Bible of Moses struggling to pray. We never hear of Moses losing touch with God. Yeah, Moses failed God. Moses, you know, sinned against God. But Moses never lost touch with God. Why? Because Moses found out that day That God had a name. And that name was I Am. And whatever situation Moses found himself in, he realized that the God of the I Am was there. So when he needed a miracle, he realized that he was the God of the miracles. Because God said, I am a God of miracles. When they needed to be fed, he realized that he was a God that provided. When, you know, he needed authority to speak to Pharaoh, he realized that he was the God of authority. He was the God whatever Moses needed him to be. And Moses knew God. And when you know someone well, it is easy to communicate with that person. You know, for many of you today, the name Jesus Christ means so much. You know, the name Jesus Christ is... Forgiven you of your sins. He died one day of a cross. And the name Jesus means everything to you. For some of you, you, you may be here today and you know Jesus. You know what the Bible says about Jesus. And you, you know that he was a good man. He was a man who performed many miracles. He was a man who lived 2,000 years ago. He was a man who, uh, who came as a baby and then died on a cross. And you know all that. And we know about Jesus. But if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, who are you? This is what Jesus would say. It's found in John chapter 8, verse 58. There were some people called the Pharisees who uh, who were these religious people at the time. They said to Jesus, Jesus, who are you? And this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I... I am. I am. He uses exactly the same phrase as God when he spoke to Moses all those years ago. I am. Jesus refers himself to the same God. And I ask you today, who do you need Jesus to be in your life? Moses needed the God of his fathers. The God who could see and hear. And the God who was with him wherever he may go. Who do you need God to be in your life today? You know, as you go through history, you see that Abraham needed a God who would provide. And you know what happened? God provided. His wife Sarah needed a God Who would open up a barren womb. And you know what God did? God opened that barren womb. We see that. There was a guy called David. Who was just a shepherd boy. And he needed a God who would defeat a a giant. And you know what? God became that God who defeated that giant. There was a king. His name was Hezekiah. And he was dying of this terminal illness. And he cried out to God. And he says, God... Heal me. He needed a God who would heal him. And you know what? God says, I've heard your cry, Hezekiah. I'm going to give you 15 more years of your life. And he realized that he was the God who would heal. There was a man called Daniel who was thrown into a lion's den and lived in a, 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 a city where they just were so anti-God. And he needed a God who would protect. And God says, I am the great protector. And God protected him. There was a man called Nehemiah who needed a God who would help revive his city. And you know what? God did. And then there was this bunch of disciples who their mentor, their king, their Messiah had just died. And they were hurting. And they needed a God who would comfort them. And God said, I am the great comforter. And He sent His Spirit to comfort them. This God calls Himself the Great I Am. Because He is who you need Him to be. Before you pray, let me encourage you this. Know who God is. Know who He is that you are praying to. And when you read your Bible, you start to discover who God really is. If you need healing, discover that He is the God who heals. If you need provision, know that He is the God who provides. If you need help in whatever way, He is the God who can help.